Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Now, today's episode, we are going to dig into a little more calculations, and we're going to talk about something that seems to create fear in a lot of people, especially if they get an exam and they start freaking out. So if you've listened to any of my other podcasts uh, where I talk about aspects of doing load calculations, service and feeder load calculations for dwelling units and multifamily dwellings, I have people say, Paul, can you do something for three-phase? And how about we deal with non-dwelling applications? It seems to be a lot of confusion. And I really want to say that, look, if you can do a multifamily or you can do a dwelling unit calculation and you can go through all those steps and get it right... Then you really not you should not be stressing over something like a a store calculation or a a bank calculation or a restaurant calculation because you really are freaking out for no reason because they are much simpler to do than are in a dwelling calculation. They're, they're, in fact, I find that the commercial parts are extremely easy to do. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to go through with you and do a simple store calculation. Very simple. Um, and it doesn't matter how complex it is. Uh, I'm doing a simple one because it's obviously a podcast and it's hard to follow things. But the concepts or the approach that I'm going to do for you today can be applied whether or not there's a lot of detail or very small amount of detail. It's really just a simple equation. Now, on an exam, the chances are you're going to be asked certain elements to be calculated, making sure you understand how to do a fixed multi-outlet assembly uh, calculation, or you know how to do the general lighting part of a store calculation, for example, or uh, you understand how to do the aspects of the continuous load approach to a store application. So we're going to cover all those topics today and try to give you a real good understanding of how easy it is to do a basic store calculation. Now, today, the premise is we're going to be working out of the 2017 National Electrical Code. So let's make sure you have it. And a lot of people ask me, do I do stuff with the 2014 or the 2011? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, this doesn't change. This calculation is synonymous with either one of those issues. There's nothing dramatically different here. Okay, It just so happens we're in the latest edition, which is the 2017. So that's what we utilize for all of our stuff moving forward. It would do me no good to go back and do an earlier edition when everything that I like to do is progressively moving forward. Okay, but as far as preparing for an exam, it's, it's really no different. The same, the steps are still the same. Okay, all right, first things first, I've got to lay some basic information down for you. So, at this point, if you're used to my podcast, you'll know that I will tell you that now is a good time to pause this podcast, get a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, whatever you want, and we're going to give you some values that we're going to work from here, uh, and so that we can kind of work through these things together. Okay, so. Go on and put it on pause, get your piece of paper and pen, and we're going to work through each of these values. So I'm going to give you the values first so that you understand what we're working with. 
And I found it is much easier that you work these things out. So if you're listening to this on the job site or you're riding, that's fine. Just listen to the podcast. Uh, But once you get back to somewhere where you can sit down and really concentrate, then listen to it again and start taking these notes down. That way you can kind of work your way through it. Okay, first things first, let's talk about what we have in this small retail store. First thing we got is the square, the store's actual area. That's the square footage. Uh, and we've got 1,200 square feet. So that's 1,200 square feet. So you write that down. So it's 1,200 square feet. Now, as far as the number of receptacles we have in here, we have 10 receptacles. That's 1010. Um, and again, Unlike dwelling applications where you have to put receptacles based on the number of uh, feet around the wall and all of this 210.52 spacing requirements, you do not have them when you're dealing with non, uh, res- non-dwelling applications like commercials, stores, uh, banks, office buildings. Uh, the receptacles are going to be whatever the designer wants, okay? Wherever they want to place them, okay? So keep that in mind. So if I'm giving you 10 receptacles, that's all I'm giving you, 10 receptacles. And these receptacles are not continuous load. Keep it in mind that if an engineer designed in a couple of receptacles that were specific for a piece of equipment that may be plugging cord, then you might could argue that that receptacle is a continuous load and you have to figure that in. But in our example today, these 10 receptacles are not. They're just general use receptacles that are being placed on the design by the engineer. Okay, uh, Because this is a store... So, you know, most people are not going to need to plug in anything. They're coming to shop for things, okay? It's going to have display racks and things like that, so you don't need a whole bunch of receptacles in this small store. Um, The only real receptacles you probably need is facilitate the employee staff for receptacles for, like, the cash registers and that kind of stuff. All right, so it's 10 receptacles. Now, next, we're dealing with some specific track lighting. So we're going to have some lighting. Other than our general lighting, we're going to have specific lighting, which is track lighting. And we're going to have 80 feet of track lighting. Okay, so there's going to be 80 feet of track we got to deal with. And we'll figure that out here shortly. Don't worry. Just write that down. Track lighting, 80 feet. The next thing is we've got a store here. And so we're going to have, I'm going to give you a value. And we're going to have a sign in the front. And we're going to have a sign in the back of our store. Okay. Uh, marketing, baby. you got to have those signs. So we know there's two signs. Now, instead of giving you... I'm going to tell you what the ampere rating is of these signs so that you know what that is. Now, you're going to have to convert that to VA to do a calculation later, and don't worry. We're going to do that. But I'm going to give it to you at 14.5 amperes for each sign. Of course, we already know that under 600 of the NEC, then those are 20 ampere circuits, okay? So... 15, uh, 14.5 amperes for two of them. There's two of them. Each of them are 14.5 amperes, okay? And they're both 120 volts. The show window. So when you have show windows in this small store, and the show window is going to be a total linear feet of 32 feet of show window. So write that down. 32 linear feet of show window, okay? Next, we have a small water heater, which is probably just for the bathroom to get the hot water. Uh, and that is going to be a 2,000 watt or 2KW. And then for today, we're going to always assume that kilowatts is also equivalent to KVA. So 2KW is really 2KVA. Okay, And we can even break that down further and do 2 times 1,000. That's 2,000 VA. And that's what we really need to do our equation. We need to break everything down into VA. Okay, Hopefully you know how to do that by now. It is just as simple as I just said. Um, the next thing we've got, and that is 120 volts, mind you. So it is a 2KW, which equates to 2000VA or 2KVA. 
that is a 120 volt load. Okay, it's a 120 volt water heater. The next we have is electric heat, and that is 15 kW, which again is synonymous when we're doing a load calculation for service and feeder. It's synonymous with 15,000 VA or 15 kVA. All equates to 15 kW. It all works the same. But we don't want to use kW when we're doing this calculation. We have to break it all the way down to VA. Okay? So easiest way to do is remember the K and the KVA or the K and the KW. Remember the K is 1,000, so 15 times 1,000 is 15,000 VA. Okay? Uh, and it is a 480-volt uh, source, and it's three-phase. The next we have is air handler, which is a blower motor. Now, remember something. This blower motor is going to work whether or not we're dealing with heat or air conditioning. Either one. The blower motor is going to be figured in when we start to consider the larger between the heat or the AC, just like we used to do with the uh, dwelling unit calculations. Nothing different. But we're going to remember that we're going to actually compare the two and take the larger, and we can omit the smaller. Okay? But that air handler motor, that blower motor, gets added to either one, whichever ends up being the larger. Okay? The next we have an air conditioning compressor, and it's 8.5 amperes at 480 volts, three phase. Okay, so in order to find the VA to this, you're going to have to do a little bit of a calculation to in order to be able to calculate the VA. And don't worry, we'll look at that when we get there. Just write these numbers down. The next thing we're dealing with is the condenser fan motor, which is associated with that air conditioning compressor. And it is 0.8 amperes at 480 volts, three phase. Okay? So those are what we're dealing with. And those are the only loads that you have to deal with in this small store. In some cases, that really is all you'd have in the store. Okay? And so we're going to do the equation. Remember now, uh, the water heater and the electric heat that are in KW are equivalent in KVA. We always want to get that out of the way. That's kind of one of the first things we convert. The next thing that I tend to like to do here is to convert all of these motors and try to find out what the actual VA is so that we make it easy to work the equation, okay? So let's do that real quick so we can kind of knock those things out of the way uh, when we're doing our equation, especially if you're on an exam, you gotta work those things out. All right, so in our case, we're gonna work it out and we're going to ultimately come up with our, our final value. And so let's kind of look through it and see what we're dealing with. All right, so the first one was the air handler, which is 1.8 amperes. And it's 480 volt three phase. So in order to find the VA, what we need to do is take 1.8 times 480 times 1.732, because it is three phase, okay? So that comes to, that results in a value of... 1,496.45. Okay, so that's our VA. All right, so in that case, that's the first one. So we write that by the first one. And I'm going to do it so we can kind of make sure we follow along. And it's 1,496.45 VA. Okay. Now the next one is 8.5 amperes at 480 volts, three phase. We do the same thing. I'm going to do 8.5 times 480 times 1.732, okay? And that's going to result in 7,066.56 VA, okay? 
And then the last one we're going to be working with is the 0.8 amperes at 480 volts. So we go 0.8 times 480 times 1.732, again, three phase, and that is 665 VA. Okay, so we kind of converted all those to VA, so we just kind of write those down. You're knocking those things out first so that you can do these this math pretty simple, okay? All right. Now, we did remind you, I should tell you, that the service that we're dealing with here is from a transformer, and it's stepping it down for this application. And this transformer is a 480 to 208Y120 volt application, okay? So all of our single-phase applications are 120-volt, uh, but it is very much a three-phase application that we're working with, all right? So uh, keep that all in mind as we kind of move through all this calculation, all right? Now, the beauty is we're going to take the 480 volts for all of those voltages that need the 480, and of course, we only need the 120s for those that only need the 120, okay? So the reason we have that step-down transformer on site is because it allows us to get our 120-volt loads. We don't have any 208 loads here, okay? We either have 480 or we have 120, okay, is what we're dealing with. Okay, so now we've kind of lied the lay of the land. We worked everything out. Um, and, uh, oh, last one we probably should work out is we need to work out the two sine circuits, right? We need to figure out what, what what's going on with these two sine circuits in order to be able to, to factor them in, okay? So how do we do those? Well, the code says that 600.5A, it says each outlet... And you have to have at least one for the store, so we've got two of them. And typically, it'd be 1,200 VA each. Um, but in our case, it's really you have to compare that to what the actual load is. And in our case, we were given a value of 14.5 amps each. So we can work that out and calculate that. And so we're dealing with those are 120, so we go 2 times 14.5 times 120. So it's 2 times 14.5 times 120. And that is 3,480. So you might want to write that down. That is what your two signs are going to be, the total cumulative of those two signs. So we've already even worked that out. So you can write that down right beside your two sign circuits. That's going to be a total of 3,480 VA. That accounts for those two signs. All right, so let's kind of work through this. And we'll rehash this all again as we move through it all. So how do I do this? Well, I teach it in, in classes to make it very simple. I go through each item that we discussed or each item that I wrote down systematically. Uh, that way I cover each of them in kind of a step. Okay, so it's just kind of a step approach. So the very first thing I do is I want to deal with the, uh, although I say that and I don't talk about the 1200 VA yet, I mean 1200 square foot yet, I talk about the receptacle load. So I start out with the receptacles. So number one is I'm trying to deal with the non-continuous receptacle loads. So if I look at 220.14i, because that's dealing with receptacle loads, and we're in the National Electrical Code, that if you look at i, it says receptacle outlets except is covered in 220.14j, which is dwelling units, and we're not talking about dwelling units, so we can ignore that. Uh, and k is talking about banks in office buildings, and again, we're not talking about that either here. We're talking about a store. So then we go on, and it says, you know what? Each single or multiple receptacle on one yoke, that's a duplex, by the way, uh, counts as 180 VA each. So if I had a single receptacle on one metal strap or yoke, that counts as 180 VA. 
if I have a duplex receptacle, they're still mounted on one strap. So it still counts as 180 VA. Okay. Um, what's the difference between this and the dwelling units is you don't use the 180 VA for dwelling unit applications. Okay. I could put any number of receptacles on a brand circuit in a dwelling. Okay. Uh, it's all going to be very limited to the load. Uh, of the overcurrent device. But in this case over here, um, it's the same concept, but we can get a set value of 180 per yoke or strap. Now, what if I have one of those receptacles that are made up of multiple receptacles on one faceplate and say it's four of them? Well, if there's four or more receptacles on one faceplate application, then I'm going to take each receptacle at 90 VA per receptacle. So if there's four of them, it's, it's 90 times four, that's 360 a VA. Okay. So that's just that simple. Um, so in our case, I have seen receptacles that have three of them on one strap. And if that's the case, all right, then it's still just 180 VA if they're on one strap. Okay. All right. Keeping that in mind, my friends. All right. So in our case here, we had how many receptacles? We had 10. So these are non-continuous loads. Again, they're just general purpose receptacles. So it would be 10 times um, a 180, and that's going to be 1,800. So you write that down. That's your very first number that you're writing down. Now, the next thing we say is, well, what if we had fixed multi-outlet assemblies in here? Well, we don't have any in this store. But I want you to understand how multi-outlet assemblies work. And if you did have them, that would be the next thing that you'd go to. Because right now we're working on all these receptacles uh, values that are not continuous. We're not working about the continuous stuff. We're dealing with all the non-continuous stuff. Well, that is under 220.14H. Now, we don't have any right now in our equation, all right? But if we did, then you have what's called a number one and a number two, and it, we are able to calculate it based on the values that are given to us here. Number one says where appliances are unlikely to use simultaneously each five foot or fraction thereof of each separate and continuous length shall be considered as one outlet of not less than 180 volt amperes. So every five feet or fraction thereof would be considered 180 VA per five feet or fraction. Okay, So fraction means if you have five feet and then you have a fraction over that, then that would be considered... Uh, in the equation, okay? So, easiest way to do this is if I have five feet, it simply equates to 180 VA as long as they're not likely to be used simultaneously. Now, what if I have an application where I have these fixed multi-outlet assemblies and appliances are likely to be used simultaneously? Then, I have to take one every one foot or fraction thereof shall be considered as an outlet of not less than 180 VA. So that's every one foot of this multi-outlet assembly counts as 180 VA. So I have five feet, let's say, all right? So I have five feet, uh, then that would be 180 VA per foot, okay? Whereas the other one, since there were not simultaneous use, then that whole five feet can only count as 180 VA. So if you get what I'm saying. Now, in our case, we don't have any of that in our equation. But if you did, then we'd have to take that into consideration. And I get a lot of times, I get a people ask me what this fraction thereof means. And what if my mold was not five feet? What if it was only four feet? Or what if it's only three feet? 
and it's still used, not used or unlikely to be used simultaneously. It says every each five feet or fraction thereof. So if it was four feet, it'd still be 180. That's a fraction of five feet. Okay, it's probably three quarters of the length. So that's kind of how that that works. Okay, and when we say fraction thereof. Okay, so if I have a value, let's say that is simultaneously in each one foot, say it's one and a half feet, then that half a foot is a fraction of one feet. So be honest with you, that would be if it was simultaneous use and it was one and a half feet long, then it would be 380 for the one foot and, I mean, excuse me, 180 for the one foot and 180 for that half a foot, okay? That is a fraction of the one foot, okay? So that's how we, we utilize it. If it was only a half a foot, six inches, I'm just using numbers here, then it would still be considered uh, simultaneous use of one foot would be 180 even if, or a fraction thereof. So if it's still less than one foot, you're still going to take that as one foot. So that would be still a 180 value. You get what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So, and that's how you would apply the fraction thereof statement that people seem to get really confused about. All right. So let's go on to the next component that we're working with. And let's see where I was at in my notes because I wanted to give you a calculation. Yes. Okay. So that was how we do the multi-outlet assembly. So the next thing we have to look at is say, well, you know what? This is not like residential. This is not like a dwelling. So I'm thinking to myself, don't I have some demands that I can apply to this? Well, in our case, we had 1,800, so that's not a lot when it comes to the non-continuous load type of um, non-dwelling receptacles. But if you look at 220.44, that's where we're going to get some guidance on what we're doing with receptacles now that we have a count. So when you look at 220.44, we're dealing obviously with other than dwellings, okay? Because the general use receptacles were already figured into the requirements uh, when we did a dwelling calculation. But here we're looking and saying, okay, other than dwelling units, it says receptacle loads calculated in accordance with 220.14H, right? And uh, that's kind of, you know, that's the fixed multi-outlet assembly, okay? And I, which is what we did at 180 VA per strap. So when we're dealing with both of those, we can take those together. That's why we did those together. It says we can we can add or permit it to subject it to a demand factor. And that is in table 220.42 or table 220.44. Well, 240.42 didn't have anything in there about stores. So there's really nothing there for us. So in our case, we're at, we're at 220.44. Now, if you look at this, it tells me, again, we're dealing with non-dwelling receptacle loads. It says the first 10 kVA or less at 100% and the remainder over 10 kVA at 50%. Well, in our case, it's only 1,800. So we're not even near 10,000 kVA. So we're taking it as the full amount, and that is the 18. 100 VA. So that's the one you write down. That is our non-continuous load, non-dwelling receptacle load. Okay? So we write that down. Uh, next, if we did have a bank or office building, then we'd have an uh, we'd have to do another calculation under 220.14K, but we're not dealing with that. But just so you understand it, under 220.14K, if it was a bank or an office building, 
you would have two choices in order to come up with some additional load uh, that you have to uh, figure. It says that in banks or office buildings, a receptacle load shall be calculated to be the larger of one or two. So either or. Now, the first one says, hey, guys, remember what you just did under the load calculation under 220.14i, which is 180 per square foot? You add all that up. You take that value or you do 1VA per square foot and whichever is the larger, you take the larger of the two. Okay. Well, since we're not dealing with a bank or we're not dealing with an office building, it's it doesn't matter to us here. We're still going to work with that 1800 uh, VA that we had. And so that's still the value that we keep. But I just wanted to show you that's kind of how the process works. All right. And we will do a bank calculation here in another podcast to kind of give you an idea. All right, so now let's move on. So we've really taken care of our receptacle loads at this point uh, and dealt with them. Uh, Remember, there's only one other step that you would add if you were dealing with receptacles that were continuous loads, uh, and most receptacles are not. But then you would do the same equation, um, but you would would simply calculate those at 180 VA per strap, and then you would also uh, just write that number down, and you'd put a little asterisk beside it because we're going to add, we would add that later to what we call our continuous load calculation. But we're not doing anything right now. We're just taking full values. We're not even assuming any extra 25% for continuous loads right now. We're just taking the numbers at what we calculate. All right, so the next step. We're going to move on to the general lighting. We've done the receptacles. So we're moving down the list. Now, when we get into that general lighting, that's when we're going to have to take that 1,200 square foot into consideration because now, like in the dwelling calculations, we had the general receptacles and the lighting combined. Well, now we're separating the two. That's why we did receptacles first because our general lighting doesn't incorporate receptacle loads. Okay, We've already taken care of that. So now, what do we do? Well, remember when we were at 220.12, when we were doing dwelling calculations, we have to determine the type of occupancy. We use the outside dimensions to calculate it. In this case, it was 1,200 square foot. So what we want to do is it'll send us to 220.12, which ultimately tells us how to calculate it, what to do, and it tells us that we have to select an occupancy based on table 220.12 in order to get our VA per square foot. So if you go over to 220.12, you scroll down, you'll see that there is one for stores, and that's what we're working with, stores. And it is 3 VA per square foot, very much just like it was when we did a dwelling unit calculation. Still 3 VA per square foot. Okay. All right, so how do we come up with that value? We do 3 times 100, uh, 1,200 square foot. That equals 3,600. Now, that is lighting, and that is a continuous load because we know that the lights in a store are going to be running 3 hours or more. And you understand, to paraphrase, paraphrase the definition of a continuous load, is those loads that are going to pull 100% or its maximum load for 3 hours or more. Now, since these lighting is on fully, then it is going to pull the maximum load because that's what the wattage is. That's what the pull is. So you calculate that as a continuous load. However, as we're writing things down, we're just going to simply put the total VA down. We're not going to worry about the continuous load yet. So here's what I like people to do. Since it's three times 1,200, it's 3,600. We know that that's a continuous load. Right beside that 3,600, I want you to put a little asterisk. Okay, a little asterisk beside it. And that's going to be known as our little continuous load asterisk. Okay, so you put that down, all right? Now, the next thing we would go is, okay, well, that's really the lighting load that we have for the general lighting. Can I apply any lighting demand factors to that, just like we did when we did dwelling units? That would take us to 220.42. Well, we're doing a store, 
Okay, always keep that in mind. So since we're doing a store, if I go look at the 220.42, which is our lighting load demand factors, you'll notice that there's nothing listed here for a store. Okay, we have dwelling units, hospitals, hotel, motel, apartment, but we have nothing here for store. But we do have all others. And all others telling us that, look, you don't get a demand. You take it everything at 100%. Okay, I got you. So at this point, um, we don't have any deduction that we can put in there for demand. So we're still at our 3600 with our little asterisk beside it. Okay? All right, what's next? Well, now we're dealing with the next lighting load, and that is the track lighting. Then that is not the general lighting. This is specialty lighting at this point. We're already done with the general lighting. Okay? Now, remember, all of this lighting we're going to work with today is continuous because it's going to be on three hours or more at its maximum opacity or maximum load. It's going to be on. So we're treating them as continuous load. We're just not adding the 125% in yet. We're going to do that later when we add all of our continuous loads together. Then we can add that additional 25%. It's just an easier way to do this. All right, so what's the next lighting we talked about? Well, remember we said it was 80 feet of track lighting? Well... How do we deal with track lighting? Well, in the code, we're going to go to 220.43B, and that says track lighting. Just that simple. Uh, and under track lighting, we know that it says that for every two feet of track lighting, it's 150 VA for every two feet. Okay. Well, since we have 80 feet, we need to find that. We need to make it simplified. So we take our 80 divided by 2 so we know that what we have some hard value that we can multiply by the 150%. So we do 80 divided by 2 is 40. Now we take that 40 and we multiply that by 150. Okay? VA. So that's going to give us 6,000 VA. Now remember, this is a continuous load. So we're going to put our little asterisk beside it, remember? That's our little notice to remind us that this is a continuous load. All right, next thing we'll look at is, remember those two signs that we talked about? The one in the front and one in the back of the building? And remember we converted those from amperes, and we knew what the volts were. We converted that over to be able to come up with a value in uh, the VA. So what we did was we took 2 times 14.5 times 120, and that's what gave us 34, okay, the total amount that we got our calculation, and that 3,480 VA. Okay? So we came up with that, that value, uh, and that's what we're going to put down on our paper. That's the next number that we're going to write down. Now remember, that is also going to be considered a continuous load. Okay? So you want to put a little asterisk beside it. Okay? All right. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, I should tell you, again, I'm going to remind you that typically when you look in the code, you'll see that it was required to be each one of those receptacles, you calculate it at 1,200 VA. But since we were given a value on our equation, then we're going to use the actual value that was given to us. If you're taking an exam and you need to know what it is, then you're going to take the 1,200 VA per receptacle and do the same thing we just did and use that value. But since we were given a value, we're using that value because that's the actual value that was presented to us. So that's how we're using it, okay? So just remember that 600.5A talks about the 1200 VA uh, per receptacle that you're utilizing for this calculation. But in our case, we knew what the value was, so we took the value, okay? Now, I'll remind you, if there isn't any sign circuit or any outline lighting, outline lighting, then you don't have to consider it. 
Okay? This is only where it's applicable. And in our case, it was. Okay? It was in our example of items. All right? So that's the next one you write down. Again, that is 3,480. All right, the next thing we're looking at is our show window. Now, show windows, the signs and the lighting and all this kind of stuff that's going to be in there, all right, that is all going to be considered continuous load because it could have signs that run all day. It could have lights that run all day, plug-in, corded, whatever it is. It could run all day. But what we want to look, look at next is to go to 220.43a, which is right above where we were just at with the track lighting. And it says show windows. So it says show windows for show window lighting is what we're dealing with. It says a load of not less than 200 VA per linear foot shall be included for show windows measured horizontally along its base. Okay. So in our case, we had 32 feet. Well, it just tells us here uh, total linear feet of the show window times 200 and we're going to use the VA per square foot, linear foot, because that's what we are in our question. Okay? So it's 32 times 200, and that's 6,400. Okay? Now, that is a continuous load again. That is show window lighting. Okay? Show window lighting. You know it's underneath 220.43, and it says show window and track lighting. All right? So, and that's the scenario that we're using. And so we put a little asterisk beside that. So now you have a couple with asterisks. You have a 3,600, a 6,000, a 3,480, and now you have 6,400 with a little asterisk beside it. That's our continuous load. Okay, so the next step. Of all the items that we had, we're pretty much done with everything. So now we're going to have to come up with that additional 25%. Remember, all continuous loads under 215.2a, 215.3, 230.42a, all of those things that say you take continuous loads at 125% and non-continuous at 100%. Well, now we have to take account, account for this continuous loads. So all we're doing now is adding them up. So we add our 3600, which was for our general lighting. We add our 6000, which is our track lighting. We added our signs, which was 3480. We added our 6400, which was our show window lighting. You add all those up, and that was 19,480 VA. Now, we've already accounted for at least 100% of that load. Now we're adding the additional, okay, the additional 25% in order to bring it up to 125%. So we just simply take that 19,480 times 25%, and that is 4,870. So you just add that to our 19,480, and that's going to be your loads, okay? That is our loads for all of the individual things that we were working with, okay? Now, or if you just want to add it in the list, that's just one more thing that you add underneath all of those individual loads. You're still going to have to add them up later anyway, so you just put that there, okay? All right, next, what we're dealing with. Oh, and remember, that 1,800 for the receptacles doesn't go in that equation, that right there, okay? You're only adding up the things that were continuous loads, and then you, you're going to do that times 25%, and that's where you get that additional 4870 that you add to the value, okay? All right, next thing we're going to deal with is, and see how simple this is? The next thing we're going to deal with is the larger of the heat versus the AC. That's what we're going to deal with next, okay? So... If you remember, when we're looking back at, back at the heat, the heat was 15 kW uh, at 48 
480 volts at three phase. So it's already been converted to 15,000 VA. We don't really have to do anything there. That's a probably a nameplate value that was given to us. But when you dealt with that air handler, air conditioner, and condenser fan motor, we already had to figure those out. And we already did that, right? We came up with what the actual VA was for each one of those. Okay, we converted everything in order to get those values. Remember, it was 1,496.45 for the air handler. There was 7,066.56 for the air conditioner or air compressor. And it was 665 for the condenser fan motor. So we've already done ours. And we knew how to do it, right? We took the amps times the volts times 1.732 because it's three-phase. And that's how we came up with our VA. All right. So now what we're doing is no different than what you've done in the dwelling unit or multifamily dwelling unit is comparing the heat versus the AC. That's all we're doing. So in our case here, the heat is also going to use the blower motor. Okay. So that would be 15,000 plus, and in our case, the 1,496.45. And that value is going to give us 16,496. All right, that's probably going to be much larger just at a quicker glance than what the AC is going to be. But we're looking at it. So now we're going to compare that to the AC. Now the AC, you're dealing with the air handler as well, still. And it is 1,496.45 plus the AC compressor, which is 7,066, plus the condenser fan motor, which is 665. Well, it doesn't take you much to look and see 6, 7, 8, 9. It's nowhere close to the heat. So immediately I know that I'm discounting the, the AC and I'm going to go with the heat. Okay. So that's the next thing that you write down is the heat. And that was 16,496. So that's your next one you write down. Okay. All right. Lastly, what we have to deal with when it comes to the motors or, or, well, not lastly, but one of the steps is we want to take the largest motor at an additional 25%. So in our case, the largest motor was the, when we look at the equation, we have to say of this, which is the larger? And how do we figure that in? Well, in our case, it was the air handler motor because we're using the heat. So you don't use a heat, but of those motors, the only motor there is the air handler. So remember how we did that at 1.8 ampere times 480 times 1.732. That's 1,496.45 VA. Well, you take that times 25% because if you remember when we did multifamily or even dwelling, we only are taking the one motor and we're doing the largest motor. That's part of our calculation. In this case, it was the heat and the blower motor goes with the heat as well. So that's what we utilized. And that resulted in 374. So you simply take the 1,496.45 times 25%, and that's where we get the 374. So you write the 374 down. You're writing that down. Okay? Now let's go on to the last thing that we'll consider, and that is all other loads that aren't included here. Well, what is the only load that we haven't taken into account for? And that's the water heater. Now the water heater is this is something that's really interesting that I really want to make sure that you understand this because people get this little equation wrong on exams all the time. When we're doing a calculation for a feeder or service, then the water heater is not considered a continuous load. Okay, you simply take the value. Okay, now, all of those other loads, whatever they might be, if they were going to be a continuous load for operating at three hours or more, then you would do them at 125%. But the water heater is going to cycle on and off. And when we're dealing with feeders and services, 
You're literally taking it as a non-continuous load and you're doing it at 100%. Don't take it as a continuous load. Now, if you're sizing the branch circuit size, then the code tells us in 422.13 that yes, you treat it as a branch circuit as a continuous load. But you do not do that when you're doing it for a service or a feeder calculation. You simply take it as an other load and you take it at 100%. Okay? It's considered a non-continuous load at that point. So we would simply take the full 2,000 and we write that down. Okay? Now, what did we do? We have to add up all of these. So we add up the 1,800. We add up the, which is the receptacles that were non-continuous. We add up the 3,600 which was the general lighting load. Uh, we add up the 6,000, which was our track lighting. We added the 3480, which was our sign loads. We added our 6400, which was our show lighting loads. We added our continuous loads, which is 4,870, which was the adding all of those continuous loads that we put the little asterisks behind. And we did that value times 25%, and that's where the 4,870 came from. So we write that little additional load down. We're writing down our heat versus the AC, and that was the heat came out and prevailed. So that was 16,498. And then lastly, we added the motor. Well, not lastly, but we added the motor, and that was the 25% of the largest motor, which was 374. And then lastly, I guess, was the other loads, and that was 2,000 VA, which was for the water heater. Okay? So that results in a total volt amp demand load of 44,000. And let's see. Oh, let me get my calculator. I want to make sure we're right. All right. So let's see. We add them all up, and that would be 1800, 3600, 6000, 3480, 6400, 4870, Okay. Now, what do we have to find the size? What is, what is going to be our actual uh, minimum ampacity for this 480-volt three-phase service? So we'll take that 45,022, and we're going to divide that by 831. Now, if you're asking me where the 831 come from, then you didn't watch our basics video where we talk about how to do calculations. But since we're dealing with three-phase, get very familiar when you're dealing with 480 volts to do 480 times 1.732 because it is three-phase. And that equals 831. You can drop the 0.36, so it's just 831. If you're dealing with a 280-volt application, or 208, I should say, then that is the same as 208 times 1.732 because 1.732 is what we do with three-phase. And that is 360.256. You can drop the 0.256, so that's 360. So in our case here, it's 45022. Uh, and oh, if it was single phase, like you saw me do with the dwelling stuff, it was simply the total VA divided by 240. Okay, it, it was just that simple. Well, here we're dealing with three phase, so we have to remember this little step. And so 445,022 divided by 831. Okay, is going to give us, oh, hold on, 45022 divided by 831 gives us 54.112 amperes. So we basically drop it and round it to 54 amperes. So that is what our actual minimum ampacity, I mean, that's what we got to have. We have to have not only a conductor that can handle 54 amps, but now we have to size what would be 
the size of our service or feeder rating. And in this case, I would go to 240.6A. Now, if you go to 240.6A, you'll notice that there isn't a breaker for 54 amperes. So, I'm allowed to go up to the next size. So, in this case, the next size would be a 60 ampere. So, 60 ampere is our rating. Okay? So, that's the next higher standard size fuse or breaker above the 54. And that's how we got the 60. All right? Now... Let's talk about conductors, because we had to do all this. We're sizing the store. It's obviously not a very complicated store, a very small store, maybe like a strip mall store. Uh, and now what we want to do for this is we say, okay, where are we dealing with with the minimum service conductor sizes? Well, based on 310.15B16, since we are dealing with obviously under 100 amp service here, so we don't have the ability to utilize anything in 31015B7. Uh, and obviously that's dealing with dwellings, so that's not going to help us here. So what do we do? Well, if you're going to 60 to 75 degree column, depending on the conductor's insulation that we're using, uh, in this case we're going to say that we're using THHN just for, you know, just to go there. Then it's 75 degree rating, so we're allowed to do this. So we're going to go to 31015B16, and we're going to see what do we need in order to be able to handle the 54 amperes, okay? That's what we're trying to, to solve for. All right, so I'll get my code book, and we're going to go it so we can kind of get used to this. Uh, pause it if you want to get yours. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to do copper. We'll look at aluminum next. Um, but if we look at copper, uh, and we're going to go, and we're saying, okay, I need something that's going to give me at least 54. Well, it looks like the 8 ain't going to work. So it looks like 6, which is good under the 75-degree column, uh, all things considered, is a 6-gauge. All right? Now, what if we wanted to do aluminum? Well, then we go to the right side of 31015B16, and it looks like we're going to have to jump it to a 4-aluminum because that's good under the 75-degree column. Uh, that's good for 65 amps as well. So it's either a 6-copper or 4-aluminum, whatever your flavor. Okay? Now... Let's take this one step further. Now we want to size the neutral conductor. Now, just like what we did on multiple uh, multifamilies or we're dealing with a single family, all those type of scenarios, we're only dealing with 120 volt loads. Those are the only things that have anything to do with the neutral. Now, one thing that we learned earlier uh, in some of our other podcast series is that we cannot have a grounded neutral conductor uh, in this case, they're simultaneous for our calculation, cannot be smaller than what's given to us in table 250.102C1. But we still have to handle one that can actually handle the calculated load, and we have to know how to do that calculated load. But in any case, it can't be smaller than what's given in 250.102C1. So I usually like to tell my students, let's go look at 250.102C1 so that you can get an understanding of what we're doing. So if you go look at that table you're going to see that since our conductors were 6-gauge copper, if you look in the columns, you'll see that 6-gauge falls into the 2 or smaller column, and you go to the right, you notice that it's 8-gauge. Now, 8-gauge is the smallest it could be. Now, even if we did a calculation and our results ended up smaller than that, it can't be any smaller than that. It's 8 is the minimum size that we have to at least have. Now, if we do a calculation and its value is larger than 8, then we have to we have to be select a conductor that's larger than 8. So this is the minimum size that you can't go below. So in our equation, if we wanted to calculate out what our neutral would be, then we simply got to go back and look at our values. And what were our values? 
Well, our values were 1,800. That's a true statement. That is going to utilize 120 volt loads. We had the um, 3,600, which was general lighting, and all of those were 120 volts. So we add that. So it's 1,800, 3,600. The track lighting were all 120 volt loads. So we add that value, which was 6,000. We had the sign and outline lighting. Those were 120 volt loads. So we add the 3480 for that. We had the show lighting, which again was 120. So we take the 6400 for that. We remember that we had that continuous load value. So we take that additional 4870. We add that in there. Okay. The non-coincidental loads uh, for that, for the we we're dealing with, we don't take any of those because they were all three uh, 480 volt applications. So we didn't use any of those. And then we had the water heater, which was 120 volts. We take that 2,000. So we add all those up, okay? And we're going to get those values. So we simply take all of those, and we're going to add those together. And we're going to come up with a value. All right, so in our case, when you add up all of those loads that deal with 120-volt applications, uh, we'll end up with 28,150, Okay. So in our case, and it wouldn't make a difference in, in all the mathematics and the calculations we did for the service, that even if we took that 28,150, okay, and we divided by that 831, 33 amperes, okay? So in that scenario, um, uh, it, doesn't, it wouldn't matter. In our case, it can't be smaller than the application that's in 250.102C1. So we're going to be stuck in this case with at least what we had based on 25102C1, which is an 8 copper or 6 aluminum. That's where we're at. Now, as far as sizing the grinding electroconductor, um, again, if you got ground rods, again, it doesn't have to be larger than a 6 copper, although it could be smaller. It just doesn't have to be larger than that. If it's smaller than a 6, then you're probably going to have to protect it in a, in a raceway that can protect it from physical damage. Um, but to size that, you go to 250.66. And if it's not one of the ones that are allowed in the A, B, and C, which is the uh, plate, rod, or pipe, which doesn't have to be larger than six, or the concrete encased electrode, which is not large, doesn't have to be larger than a four copper, or a ring, which typically doesn't have to be larger than a two. Um, if it's none of those, and it's water pipe or structural steel or in-ground electrode, then then you're going to go to the table 250.66, and it's going to be based on the size of the conductors. In our case, it was 6-gauge copper. So if you look at 250.66, you're going to see that that puts us in an application where it's going to be an 8 copper. Okay. So, I mean, that's just kind of the rundown of all of the little aspects that you have by doing a basic, simple store. It's not complicated. So if I had to do a quick summary then it would be just as simple as saying, okay, so the first thing is worry about our receptacles. And we had 10 of them, 180 VA per strap, that's 1,800. They were not continuous, so I didn't put an asterisk beside them. The next, we're looking at general lighting. That's our general lighting load in general, and that was 3 VA times 1,200 square feet. We got that from table 220.12, so that's 3,600. We wrote that down. We put a little asterisk behind it because that is a continuous load. It's lighting. The next thing we ran into was we wanted to deal with the track lighting. It was 80 or linear feet of that, and we saw that it, for every two feet, it was, it was 150 VA. So in order to break it down so we can have easy math, we did the 80 divided by 2, which is 40, and we took that value, which was times 150 VA, and that was 6,000, and we put a little asterisk because that is continuous load. The next thing we did is the sign. We knew there was two of them. 
And so if we didn't know what the values were and we just had two sine circuits and we know that we would go to 600.5a and we'd see that each one of these outlets would be at 1200VA for our calculation. In this case, we had the actual numbers. Okay, we had actual value. So it was two, there was two circuits, two times 14.5 times 120. And that's where we came up with our total value that we used. And that was 3480. And that's what we put down. Again, we put an asterisk beside that because that is going to be sign lighting and that's going to be on for continuous. So that's what we're going to put that little asterisk there. Next, we did the show window. And that was because we did have show windows in our equation. And remember, not all commercial buildings will have show windows, but ours did. It was 32 linear feet. And we noticed that the code told us under 220.43a that it was 200 VA for each linear foot. So it was 32 linear feet. 32 times 200 is 6,400. We put that down. We put a little asterisk beside it because that is a continuous load. Now we're going to deal with those continuous loads. So we add the 36, the 6,000, the 3480, the 6,400, and that comes to 19,480. And so then we do that times 25% because all we're trying to do is get that additional 25% that we know has to take place for continuous loads. It's just an easier way to do it. And so that is 4,870. So we're going to actually add that to our value. Okay, which is 19 uh, to our 19,480. Okay, because that is that additional 25% for this continuous load. So then the next thing I did was the heat versus AC. We saw that the AC could be emitted because the heat was 15 kW, which is synonymous with 15,000 VA. And then we took the blower motor as well. That was, uh, I believe, that was 1,496.45. So we added those together. That gave us 16,498, I believe, or 96. I can't remember. But anyway, we, we got that value. I think it's 1,496, yes. Uh, we add that to it. So ultimately, we ended up with 16,496. Uh, and then, of course, we had to take the largest motor, which was, again, that blower motor at 14,000, uh, 1,496.45 times 25%. That gave us that 374. So we're adding that into it. And then we have all other loads. In this case, the only other load we had was a water heater. The water heater was 2KW, so we translate that into 2000 VA, and so we add that. So the total gave us, we add all those up, all of our loads that we did, we would just work through, and that was 45,022. So next, we take that 45,022, we divide it by 831, which again, remember, since we're dealing with three-phase, you take that 480 times 1.732, that's how we got the 831. So that equals 54 amperes. That's what we needed. So we had to find a conductor that can handle 54 amperes. So we went to 31015B16, 75 degree column, because we're using conductors that are that are going to be rated for 75 degree or 90. And so we utilized the 75 degree, because that's probably our terminal limitations. Uh, and then we're utilizing the rules in 110.14C. And we end up with a six copper or four aluminum. Okay, that's going to handle the 54 amps. Now, the service rating or the feeder rating is going, since there isn't a breaker that corresponds to 54 amperes, then we know that 240.6a says we can go to the next size up, and that's how we get a 60 amp service rating. Okay, so that's our service rating. We sized the neutral. We looked at all of the actual neutral loads. We took those loads. We did the calculation, and we also noticed that 250.102c1 says I have to have at least, it can't be any less than that. So if that's the case, then it was eight copper or six aluminum. 
Okay? Uh, because that's what Table 250.102C1 states. Uh, another thing to remember is that in all cases, it can't be smaller than what the actual equipment grounding conductor would be sized if it was for a feeder based on 250.122. But of course, we're dealing with the service. So that's how we're utilizing 250.102C1 based on what it gives us in 250.24. Okay? Most notably, 250.24C1. Okay? All right. So we got all that, we're feeling really good, and we sized our grounding electroconductor based on the size of the conductors that were coming in. And in our case, it was six copper. So when you went to 250.66, because we don't know what electrodes we're dealing with, so we're simply gonna go to the table, and that gave us an eight copper. And if we were doing aluminum, that would be six aluminum. And that's basically the rundown of how we did everything, okay? It really is just that simple, all right? so. We're gonna do another one based on a bank. We're gonna have a lot more values to work with. We're gonna have multiple air conditioning units, multiple heating, uh, parking lot lighting, and all that. So if you're interested in that one, just stay tuned for that podcast. Hopefully you were able to follow along. If I got you confused, just listen to it again. And pause wherever you need to, and we'll be able to work you through it, okay? It's not a big deal. Don't stress it out. Uh, It's simple store calculation. Uh, In case you get any one of those individual components on an exam, you should be able to figure it out. All right, guys, until next time, stay safe. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at masterthenec.com. I'm more than happy to answer any of your questions. If I went through this too fast, I'm trying to keep the time down and keeping it to an hour, and I'm right on that mark. So if you have any questions, visit our website, masterthenec.com or electricalcodeacademy.com. Listen to our podcast. They're on Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify. You can listen right from our website. You can listen from our YouTube channel. You get to our YouTube channel by going to our masterthenec.com website, and at the top you'll see a banner. Click on that. Share it with your friends. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to email us, and we'll be do our best to try to answer those questions for you. Until next time, folks, stay safe, and God bless. Every day the future's looking bright